Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. <laughs> All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you five nights a week from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and other fine broadcast affiliates and audio platforms around the world. Now, if you'd like to, send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. On all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And for the broadcast schedule of the Exxon Exxon Broadcast Network, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. And uh, for the those of you who would like to watch the Exxon TV channel, it is exclusive to our good friends at Simul TV, and now is available on the brand new Atari system. Visit www.simultv.com. Exxon Nation. My first guest tonight is Margaret Doner. She is a past life regressionist, therapist, angelic channel, and healer. She has assisted clients for over 25 years to help them remember and integrate the wisdom of their souls. Margaret's books include The Path of the Human Incarnated Angel and Starseed, Angels, I'm sorry, Archangel Speak, Merlin's Handbook for Seekers, and Starseeds, and Merlin's War, the battle between the family of light and the family of the apocalypse. Now, her goal is to assist the Starseed community into the awakening by sharing her own journey and the jury of her journey of her clients and friends with a wider audience. For more information on Margaret, visit her website at margaretdonor.com. That's M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T-D-O-N-E-R.com. And Margaret, to you, welcome back to the Exxon. Great having you with us tonight. Thank you very much. I just want to let you know that um, the, the one book that you had mentioned um, which is the um, uh, Merlin's War. Mm-hmm. It, um, it's called uh, Merlin's War, 
the battle between the family of light and the family of dark. So oh, I'm, you, I'm you sorry. had mixed this book title with that, so I just wanted to clarify that for people if they were interested in looking that up online. Well, we're going to make sure we get it right and put it right on the website so we can uh, we can push okay. as much business as yeah. we can to you. And I'm sorry about that. Um, That's okay. Well, it's great talking to you. Uh, for for the for the listeners yeah. who may be listening to you for the first time uh, here on uh, the ever growing Exxon Broadcast Network, what is a star seed community? Well, it really is a broad term for um, a person that identifies with the idea of mm-hmm. being um, from another planet, I guess you would say, or another star system. And I'm not saying from their current life. So I'm not saying that somebody is saying, oh, I, you know, I was just on Venus a month ago. But the idea is that your uh, soul, Mm -hmm. which um, starseeds believe is immortal, has incarnated other places besides Earth. So they identify with the idea of being a Pleiadian or possibly an Arcturian, or from the Sirius, or Andromeda star system, and often have memories um, that are not just earthbound, but come from these different star systems. Um, so it's it's kind of a broad term for um, anyone who feels or believes that they're not, they have incarnated in other places besides just the planet Earth. Now, what would be some of the some of the um, signs and symptoms that a person may be an actual starseed that they may not actually be from this planet? Well, um, that's a really good question because, and I think there's a lot of different ones. I don't know mm-hmm. that you can say there's any one in particular, but um, oftentimes they have gifts that. Um, allow them to more easily um, contact other dimensions to perhaps what you think of as uh, telepathic abilities, extra sensory perception, that idea of ESP or um, being able to uh, heal, Mm -hmm. um, bringing in the ability to heal with frequency. For example, Oftentimes, someone who has a Pleiadian energetic imprint will be very attracted to sound healing, um, perhaps healing with um, uh, color or uh, frequencies. And um, But particularly, I think, for the Pleiadians, they're very attuned to the idea of sound, and many of them are quite um, beautiful uh, musicians, Mm -hmm. um, but they'll blend that with the ability to heal. They understand intuitively that our physical body and our chakras have uh, vibrational frequencies that react um, automatically to particular pitches and tones and sounds, and they'll use those sounds either with their voice or an instrument to stimulate their uh, chakra perhaps like um, a chakra being an energy center of your body and to try to bring it back into balance and to help your body to heal. So that would be an example uh, of somebody very often who would say, oh, I have a a Pleiadian gift. Whereas human, uh, earth human, tends to be more what we think of it as um, third dimensional, meaning that they relate to the five sense matrix. <clears throat> if I can see it or I can touch it, it's real. And they have a lot of uh, trouble understanding the idea that even if you can't see something, it, it, it exists. It's just in a frequency that's outside the normal visual wavelength frequency. So, um, in general, I would say most starseeds find absolutely no trouble with the idea that reality exists outside of a five-sense matrix, whereas Earth humans tend to really get locked into that idea that 
if I can't see it or I can't touch it, it doesn't exist. So I think that's one of the primary things that would differentiate someone who identifies as a starseed from someone who identifies as just or purely human, earth human. Margaret, what was it that started you on your quest, your crusade in this area? Well, um, it's, it's kind of an interesting story. I mean, I think most starseeds, and I consider myself to, mm-hmm. to be in that category as well, I think most of us feel we were actually uh, born that way or even uh, came in as what is called a walk-in, meaning not a birth-in, but came later in, um, which is another whole conversation. I don't want to um, digress into that right now, but but even from the time we're very young, we seem to have memories or abilities that um, a lot of you know a lot of us feel that other people around us uh, don't have or they don't understand. So we feel a little different that way. And um, but for me, the real I think the real journey and as an adult came from when I met somebody um, that I had uh, many past lives with, with a lot of very profound karma with. And I met him when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, and it began to trigger uh, past life images for Mm -hmm. me spontaneously. Um, And I began to understand that I had known that person not only in my current life, um, but for the first lifetime I saw what was Victorian and then I came to understand through all the uh, 25 you know plus years I've been doing this work many many other lives and to have a deep a deeper understanding of our karma but um, it began to open up for me the idea that uh, I had other lives and uh, I always talk about how Shirley MacLaine out on a limb that original book of hers really i think it was one of her very first and i read that and i remember um just crying and thinking wow somebody else actually understands and sees the world the way i do so she was for me a a a sort of a lifeline i think in my in my 20s and my early 30s and um and then I went on to study with Roger Wolger, uh, who is a, he's since passed on, but he wrote Other Lives, Other Selves. He was Jungian and, and a real scholar. And I studied intensively with him for two years, very intensively. He, he required, um, you know, not, it wasn't just like a weekend or a week, you know, um, but it was, you had to get your own karma kind of cleared out and your own fears cleared out. And, then I decided to, I wanted to help others. So that was back in the 90s and then 90s that I really started to put my, you know, those visions I had had when I was younger um, into a healing uh, context and be able to help others. So I'm very, very wedded to past life regression as a healing tool for the soul. And starseeds have particularly... A lot of karma and uh, often a lot of trauma and wounding that goes back in, you know, really, I call them like the ancient ones, really ancient souls, because they've been around for a long time. (laughs) So am I to understand that not only can people carry baggage from one relationship in this present life to the next and then to the next, but they can also carry baggage from previous lives and it must be very confusing for these people who have who are inundated with all these different thoughts all these different emotions to try and get a grip on what's going on i think it is um initially and uh i think the whole idea of integrating the soul Mm -hmm. um is about putting these sort of puzzle pieces together and in 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 the end you get to know yourself, you know, that whole idea of know thyself, right. it comes from this recollecting of these pieces and understanding yourself more deeply as to what is it that's, why am I always triggered by 
you know, mm-hmm. that that thing or why do I have this phobia? Why do I have this fear? Or that person is always triggering me. And it, there's something so magical when you start doing the half-life regression in a serious way and you begin to see and understand how the magic of how you were brought back together energetically with certain people with the express idea to heal what perhaps have been these traumas and these wounds. Margaret, we're um, going to have to take a commercial break overnight. here. Margaret, please stand by. We've got to take our first break. Exonation. our guest this hour is Margaret Donor, and her website is margaretdonor.com. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Once again, if you'd like to send me an email, exone at exoneradiotv.com. Margaret Donor is my guest. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go away. Back everyone, Margaret Donor is our special guest this hour. www.margaretdonor.com. Uh, Margaret, uh, what was it like the first time you yourself had a past life regression and you realized that you had not only been here on this present existence now, but your lives go back and back and back. Um, I think for me, mm-hmm. when I first started working with Roger Wolger, I remember saying I felt like I had come home and that the world finally made sense for me, um, that all this time, everything had always seemed chaotic and nothing had made sense. But when I began to really understand uh, past lives and karma, and the cords of energy that link us to, you know, one another and to different souls repeatedly, Mm -hmm. uh, things fell into place for me. And I really felt like I was sort of coming home. And now, many years later, I suspect it's because I felt like I was coming home to myself, um, that I was beginning to reclaim pieces and part of myself. But... It was such a, uh, actually, an empowering and wonderful feeling to have this, you know, even if it's something uncomfortable, and we all know how it can be, when 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 we don't want to look at it, but it's true, there's a liberating feeling um, to truth. So even if you're encountering some, you know, a horrible past life that where you're a victim or you're mm-hmm. a perpetrator, but it it fits right into your karmic relationships. And people, you know, when I'm doing passive aggression, you know, to watch somebody kind of go, oh, my God, you know, I, I get it now. I get why my mother and I, you know, fought like that all the time. It makes so much sense now. There's just like this healing that happens. So I think um, that was my feeling when I first really started to do this work in in a serious way was um, even the difficult stories um, I realized were a path toward healing my own wounds. 
Is there any any connection between all the people that you've had the opportunity of meeting and helping with their past lives and helping them to better understand and to realize what is going on in their life? Is, is there any similarity between all these cases, or are they all totally different? No, I think, you know, that's a really interesting question. I mean, of course, each one, each person is to some degree unique, mm-hmm. but I can't even believe how there's so much universal at the same time. There, There's so much universal. I'll give you an example um, you know, that, that rings a bell right off, which is um, people having stories where they were burned uh, as witches oh or gosh. stoned to death as witches or healers. Mm-hmm. Um, that story comes up a lot for people. Really? And, um, yeah, you know, because starseeds tended to be um, the the healers and the witches. They tended to be the ones that... Um, were, uh, you know, put to death because they understood how to lay on hands and heal. Or in this day and age, we'd call it Reiki. And that day, you would have been called a witch, you know. And so um, that story is so common among people. Um, And it's really interesting when people go back to Atlantis, um, and they usually go back to the end times of Atlantis. Not always, but very often it, the trauma uh, that first comes up with those stories has to do with the misuse of energy, a power, what we would think of as, you know, someone being a wizard. And they understood how to harness um, energy and began to direct it. And then mm-hmm. ego got in the way and harm. Uh, they a lot of people go back to lives where they were, they feel like they were a perpetrator. They carry a lot of guilt because with the power um, also came, you know, this ego. And with the ego came destruction. And so um, that's another one that's, those are really fascinating stories that tend to repeat. And and then, of course, just the... Um, you know, the things of, of you know, losing a child, yeah. you know, the trauma of, I mean, you think about the history of the human race as, you know, with disease and starvation. And, um, and of course, uh, there's a lot of, of wounding around uh, World War II and the Holocaust and the camps and, you know, that, ha- that whole piece um, and the guilt of people that, that joined the Nazis um you know, being German citizens and not having their heart in it, but having, you know, felt that they had to do that, obviously, you know, and that, and then carrying a terrible guilt, those come up. So, you know, yes, there are repeated themes and stories, but of course, everybody feels unique to them and, and, you know, there's slight differences. But I, I would agree with you that there are themes that come up. When these people come to you with these problems and they discover the connection, they discover the pattern, they discover the reality of their past lives to their present life, how do you help them to solve these issues or reconcile these issues or to face these issues? It's very... Um... It's very simple and at the same time very difficult mm-hmm. because it's forgiveness. And as we all know, very easy word to say and a very, very difficult word um, to actually put into action. And I think my opinion, mm-hmm. when we heard Jesus came down anyway, supposedly that he, would, that he said... Um, you know, forgive them, they know not what they do. Right. A lot of people are very angry and confused about that because they'll say, well, I can't forgive my father for beating me and my mother and my, you know, siblings. Right. I can never forgive him. And I've come to this conclusion that it's not that you forgive the action, that I don't think Jesus was saying 
oh, yeah, it's fine. You can crucify people. That was fine what they did. He, what he's saying is that, in my opinion, is that what you're forgiving is they, their soul is so possessed by darkness that they do not know what they do. They have become infiltrated by such darkness and dark feelings and hatred and whatever, and fear, really. I mean, you can make a case that that's a type of fear and that they don't know what they do. And so you try and, 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 and realize that that person is, in a sense, suffering in great darkness, and you try to find a way to forgive um, them in their soul, but you never have to say, oh, I forgive the action, because that becomes impossible, and that's not what I think is meant. And when you forgive the soul, you become free karmically, which I think was another part that Jesus was trying to say, is that you want to burn these karmic energy cords and only through forgiving them, and we all know that, are we free because when we hate somebody, we're still tied to them energetically and they have control over us. And if we want to free ourselves from them, we must figure out a way to let them go through forgiveness. And I found past life therapy can be helpful in that as well because oftentimes we have been a perpetrator as well. The karma is going back and forth and we need to forgive ourselves and in forgiving ourselves it makes it easier to forgive others. So that's, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, that's a very long explanation, but I wanted to try to be clear about that because I do think it's important. It's something so many people, all of us, really universally wrestle with that. You know, how do I forgive? How do I let go? How do I get clear of these, you know, toxic relationships? I would imagine that one of the largest problems facing any member of society these days is the the matter of, you know, we are in such turmoil, whether it's political, with, whether it's uh, financial, look what's happening with COVID. Right. How do we justify the, the different changes, the different griefs that we all face? And, and where does being a star seed come into play here? Well, it, okay, so this is, of course, none of this is, is a simple answer. Yeah. But um, uh, I think, first of all, I've come to really believe in karma, and not mm-hmm. as retribution, but because energy will always need to balance itself, mm-hmm. that the universe will, if you want to call it the universe, the energy, the chi, the God, force, whatever, right. will always try to come into some type of homeostasis, which is a word for, you know, in your own physical body, homeostasis is like healing or balance, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's really what karma is about. As you sow, you're going to reap. And so we are not only involved in our own personal karma, but we're also involved in a collective consciousness karma and a global karma. And we never want to take responsibility. People deny the shadow of their own individual soul, and so it can't heal. And then they push it out onto someone else. People who, and Jung said this, right? I mean, he was was such an advocate of this, is the more you deny your shadow, in a sense, the more dangerous you become, because you're going to project it out until everybody else is the perpetrator, and you're the poor me victim, right? You become this poor me victim and then everybody else has to be the bad guy so you can continue that role and that's just a toxic horrible place to be so many people are caught in that horrible place but um it's it's they become the worst the, the poor me victim becomes the worst perpetrator because they're just draining everybody yes. they're like psychic vampires you mm-hmm. know and i think that we have a global collective karma and the book that you had mentioned with the apocalypse is my hasn't been published yet but it's just now going to my publisher and it's called um 
Merlin's Guide to the Apocalypse. All right, well, so let's, talk, let's talk about this book in a few minutes <laughs> when I come back from this news break. Exo Nation, our <laughs> Margaret Donor is our special guest. Her website is margaretdonor.com. And if you'd like to send me an email with any guest suggestions, or maybe you'd like to have your very own radio show here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, send me an email. I'll certainly pass it to the powers-to-be, because I know they're always looking for great programming. Send me an email to exxon at xzoneradiotv.com. It's been that email address now for 32 years. Wow, 32 years of talking to the most interesting people in the world each and every Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. And then on the weekends, we play the best of at www.xzbn.net. I'll be back on the other side of this news break with my guest Margaret Doner on the other side as we continue investigating the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology. Don't go away. Back, Margaret Donor is our special guest this hour, www.margaretdonor.com. Margaret, before we went to, to the news break at the bottom of the hour, we were just starting to talk about your book entitled Merlin's War. Tell us more. Well, actually, I was, I was just bringing up um, not Merlin's War, but Merlin's Guide to the Apocalypse, which is um, just about to be released. Oh, and I see. The reason I brought it up was because you mentioned... This idea that everybody is just feeling like they're mm-hmm. drowning yeah. um, in in grief and difficulty right now, and I think that it, what's really important to understand is that we um, we have sown this, <laughs> we have sown this, mm-hmm. and I think we don't like to look at that. We we sort of have this idea. As humans, I I think I mean not I think native cultures are much more attuned to the idea that you have to live in balance with nature, right? That give and take and that creation destruction, um, you know, paradigm. But modern man is just consume, consume, consume. We're getting further and further away from community. We're throwing out junk by the bucket loads yeah. just you know right manufacture junk and throw it away and i in my in my latest book doing research and so forth i came across a ba i'm sure i'm pronouncing it wrong but but bao tao uh china in mongolia it's it's where they're uh producing uh the the metal compounds needed for all this technology, but it's completely turned it into a toxic waste dump, and nobody talks about that. You know, so it, it, you know it, you might have wind turbines, but look what you've done if if you if you see you know to produce the the components needed for all of this, and then what do we do? We just chuck it into the landfills. Um, and I and I think what we don't what we're actually in, for me, the apocalypse is a time of revelation. But it's a time where we really have to look at what we've created, what is our collective shadow, and how are we going to clean it up? 
how are we going to change our behavior and our thought processes so we don't, you know, go into such a duality and see each other as enemy and and just consume and trash thoughtlessly. Um, so I, I think that, um, I think we're just reaping what we've sown and we don't like that and it's miserable. Um, but then we need to change it. I think then we need to take responsibility not only for our personal karma, but mm-hmm. for our collective karma. And it didn't come out of nowhere, you know? There are a lot of people who actually believe that it's, you know, it's, it's gone past the point of no return. I, on the other hand, believe it's never too late. How do right. you see it? I, I agree with you um, because it depends on what you're talking about, mm-hmm. I guess, on some level. What, you know, what are the parameters you're talking about beyond the point of no return? But if you have, if you and I have an immortal soul and our soul is, um, doesn't die and it reincarnates and, and experiences things on different dimensions, then there's always the potential to learn and to grow and to be better, you know, and to be more integrated and to be more loving. And that potential will always exist as long as we have a soul. And I think the, the most frightening thing for me uh, is, is transhumanism. Um, and the more I look into transhumanism, which is this idea that that the human race will not survive unless we merge with computers, and they are looking forward to what they call the singularity uh, and immortality. So they believe by 2045 that we will be immortal and we will be basically cyborgs, half computers and half humans. And they're they're getting rid uh, in the process of that divine spark, which, yes, it does create the passion that leads to conflict, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it creates the passion that leads to Beethoven, right, and Mozart. Sure. So, um, right, which comes from a place that I don't think a robot will ever reproduce. And most people are unaware of how far along transhumanism is they think it's sci-fi but when they research it and they see the the robots in japan that are now able that are now able to function like humans um and they use them you know they have sex robots that actually uh orgasm and they have uh robots that can uh be bartenders and pour 300 drinks in an hour and they have robots that serve as receptionists and robots that serve as caretakers. And they're getting more and more lifelike and more and more human. I don't think it's very far away. And the smartest people on the planet, uh, like uh, Elon Musk and his neural link, where he now, you know, they now have the ability to link the human brain into the computer with neural link. You know, these things that are coming so quick and fast to me, are even more frightening than anything environmentally um, that we're doing or or a pandemic. But again, if you're a cyborg, you know, you're probably not going to have to worry about COVID. So um, uh, with what's the payoff, you know? And and so to me, that's a, that to me is quite apocalyptical. I agree. And it's been one of the things I've tried to, to, to sort of get people to mm-hmm. understand so that they can they can actually resist it. You know, I agree with robots doing mundane, repetitive jobs like they have in the manufacturing mm-hmm. uh, industries right yeah. now. Oh, I, yeah. I agree with that. But are we coming to a point in society, as we did so many years ago with the Tower of Babel, where you had humanity wanting to build this building up to so that they can mm-hmm. you know, go into the heavens, mm-hmm. and what happened was divine intervention. Is it possible that this is the scenario we're looking at again? Is this the cyborg human factor? Is this another example of good versus evil? I think you're right. I do. And I and I think that whenever mankind, whether it was back in Atlantis mm-hmm. 
or actual histories on other planets. There goes the starseed thing again. Yeah. But whenever we, um, whenever we take technology beyond our our spiritual development and beyond our emotional and intellectual and spiritual development, so that technology um, is more developed than we are as a species. Um, we go into a deep trouble, and techno- you know, unfortunately, the hum- humans are very, very un, you're very young souls. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, it's not a, it's not an old, humans are not old souls. Star seeds might be, but most humans are not, and and they're they're operating from a, from very much ego, and a very limited consciousness perspective, and when you put you know, tremendous technology in the hands of somebody unevolved, you're you're in danger. Um, it, it's clear. You know, if people so don't think technology, where we are. Yeah, if people do not believe that technology is taking over more and more and more, all you need to do is look what Facebook is doing, what Google is doing, and other platforms are doing to humanity. You know, they're they're feeding us what they want or the powers to be want us to know what they want us to believe subliminal advertising runs rampant on the internet and yet nobody does anything about it because it's the old wizard of id you know the golden rule those who have the gold makes the rules yeah that's true yeah and 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 you know that's the i think that's the whole issue of being extremely undeveloped in that if we were if we were operating from a place where we thought about community mm-hmm. we we realized our as not that i have to be smarter and better and immortal but that i am uh, i am just a, a cog in this amazing organism called god yes and i don't use that it, you know i'm just talking about energy mm-hmm. source chi that and that my and that i if I destroy the petri dish, right? I, you know, where am I? I destroy myself. Yeah. Um, and I think we're not evolved enough yet to to think in community. When people join communities, they're always thinking, "What is that community going to do for me?" That's what I found, and I've wondered why communities fall apart. But it's because. It's they're not raised like perhaps, you know, a Native American tribe mm-hmm. hundreds of years ago where everybody has to focus on the survival of the community for the self to survive so that you you know you have to bring something to that community yeah. so that you can all flourish. It, we've gone so far away from that that it's just about the ego and I can get more than you. I can be more beautiful than you. All these very young soul, baby soul concepts that, you know, you then you put these very dangerous technologies. And if you look at, you know, some of the stuff being done, you can't even understand it. You can't even read the explanation of these transhumanists. They are the smartest people on the planet. They're not human. They're not. They're so freaking crazy intelligent yeah. well you, <laughs> you know, know you know i don't know if they're if they're, if they're intelligent i think what they're trying to do is they're trying to it's a it's a matter of self-preservation with these people they don't care about the rest of society they just care about themselves how they can perceive and and how they can preserve themselves how they can get this life to keep lasting so that they can keep the the money the riches the power they need to be stopped. Right, right. Like we're we're playing it's like with a, danger it's like here. A vampi- it's like a vampire, mm-hmm. right? It's a it's a it's a vampire because you just described what vampires yeah, are, right? Exactly. These immortal beings that just keep collecting riches for themselves, and and are parasites. Yeah. And and, <laughs> and who would and who know, would and who would want to live forever? Um, I wouldn't. Well, you know. I know. I agree with you. Um, I think, though, that, you know, it's it's so interesting because um, I was just trying to find, you know, okay, here's 
I just want to give you an idea, doc, you know, this this Dr. Natasha Vita More. All right, why don't we do this? And, Tell me the idea when we come back, uh, the story about this okay. doctor, because we're cutting okay. really close to our final break. And next donation, okay. my guest this hour is Margaret Donor. Her website is margaretdonor.com. And if you'd like to find out more about the Exxon Broadcast Network and the fine programming we have available for you 24-7, 365, with our compliments and the compliments of our advertisers and affiliates, just go to www.xzbn.net. And, of course, you can always send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com. And for the Exxon TV channel, which is now, according to the numbers that we received from Simul TV, being viewed by 74 million people around the world, visit www.simultv.com. Margaret and I will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the X-Zone with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in beautiful Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. One, Margaret Donor is our special guest this hour. Her website is margaretdonor.com. Margaret, just before we went to our final break, you were going to start telling us about a doctor, and I asked you to hold on until we came back. So please continue. Well, we were talking about transhumanism, so mm-hmm. I just wanted to mention, you know, um, these well-known, internationally known transhumanists. Um, and I would said uh, Dr. Natasha Vitamore, and... She's known for breakthroughs in cryonics, and I don't know if you guys all know what cryonics are, but Alcor is a life extension foundation where, you know, that whole idea of getting ultra-cold temperatures to preserve your human body, right? Mm-hmm. And then they bring you back when the technology has come around to heal you. So Isn't that sick. also called cryogenics? You know? Isn't that also called cryogenics? That's what I was saying. Yeah, did I misspeak? I'm sorry. Yeah, cryogenics. Mm-hmm. So that these, you know, these amazing, you know, technologies, these amazing abilities, um, and and you know, and they're not. These are not, you know, these are not stupid people. Elon Musk is not a stupid person. You know, so he, you know, this Neuralink integrates the human brain with AI and it allows mm-hmm. the AI to circulate through your veins and arteries using um, a neural lace interface. And it's like a mesh that grows with your brain, creates a wireless brain computer interface. So this is where this stuff is going. And um, I just think it's important. I think, you know, what happens is we're all focused so much on survival, especially now. And then behind the scenes, of course, are all of these other, you know, sci-fi kinds of things. But I do think that they're important for us to focus on as well because, um, I, I don't know, I just think that, I have a belief that, you know, I've, I've batted around a bit, which is that, which would be right down your alley in this show, which is that those of us, you know, there are a lot of us starseed, quote-unquote starseeds, mm-hmm. who actually have come um, from the future. Um, and from a, you know... From that point of view, in other words, we, being multidimensional beings, are trying to stop this transhumanist future. And I know it sounds like some kind of a sci-fi movie, you know, the Matrix kind of thing. But, but I really think that um, I don't, I, I don't have a good feeling about yeah. the idea of of making humans half robot um, and then making machines smarter than humans, which Elon Musk 
says will happen and is inevitable that these machines will take over and become smarter than the human human beings. We will not be able to handle them. And and we're actually inviting it. It's just like that Terminator, you know, mm-hmm. stuff. So I I think we need to um you know, when people start to say, "Oh, yeah, it's going to be great cuz you put that chip in your body and they'll have all your health information on it." So when you are in the uh, you know, um, An accident, ambulance, yeah. you're right, and you're in a coma, they'll be mm-hmm. able to just swipe that all your data and It'll be there in the chip, and we start inviting all of this chipping within our body, which is probably inevitable um, eventually. I, I'm, you know, then what have you got? You've got that neural lace interface in your brain, and then who owns you? Then you don't, you know, then you're gone because then you don't own yourself at all. So I do think, as sci fi as it sounds, and perhaps as useless as it seems to people to think about that when we're in the middle of these very human problems like COVID and, and, and financial issues that people are suffering from. Um, I, I hope people don't turn a blind eye to, to this idea of, uh, oh, no, you know, chip, it's great. Let's put a chip in me. Well, as so it is, as it I is think now, it's only inevitable. Though. As it is now, every one of us carries a chip on us in our wallet, whether it's for your ATM mm-hmm. card, whether yeah. it's for your passport, whether yeah. it's for your driver's license. Yeah. And also, yeah. m- mind you, mind you, when it when it comes to carrying the uh, the carrying the the card that has the chip in it in your wallet, there are so many people who are paranoid because Big Brother is watching. Big Brother knows too much. Well, I'm going to tell you something. If you if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. It's that simple. Because when you go and put gas in your car, they know where you are. When you go to your ATM, they know. When you go to the grocery store to pay using your credit card, it's all trackable. So big deal. Yeah. You know? No, that's absolutely right. We're already... Cameras are everywhere, mm-hmm. and I think the problem is is that if, in fact, society becomes so massively restrictive that you can't live within it, there will be no way to escape it. So that's the problem. So if they start mm-hmm. regulating people to the point that they are intensely uncomfortable and feel that they're all their civil liberties, not just some of them, but all of them have been taken. And now, you know, then it really does become that sort of 1984 world, mm-hmm. exactly, where, you know, you, you're nowhere can you be who you are, nowhere can you breathe, nowhere can you have a shadow or a dissenting thought. And I think we need to be able to have places where we can explore without other people always watching. But it's going to be the third third world countries who will have the advantage then, because who's going to want to chip somebody who lives in a third world? Well, you know, there's some you know thoughts about about all of all of that too in terms mm-hmm. of you know once I I I don't know, but you certainly don't need uh, the population we have once you have the robots up and running to do the job. Well, so, that, bring, that brings up uh, a possibility. People become more and more useless sure. you know, and less yet less useful to those that are looking toward a transhumanist future. But that brings up a question. Is COVID actually a population control agent? What is it, 400,000 Americans died in the last year? Yeah, it's not doing a very good job if it is, but... Oh, it's doing um, a pretty good job because already it's 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 yeah. it's it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's uh, what what's the word they use? It's uh, yeah. there are now four or five different variants of it. You know, we humans yeah. are not yeah. keeping up with the with the changes that this virus is doing. You know, we get to a certain point, the virus looks yeah. back and says, "Oh, I got to change," and bang, it yeah. changes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, in writing my last book, I did some research on pandemics and mm-hmm. pandemics have killed far more people historically you know obviously since ancient times on up 
than than war you yeah. know than you know pandemics have wiped in fact as we know black plague wiped out you know two-thirds of europe so um it you know it <laughs> pandemics are are great population control but whether somebody is doing it mm-hmm. um or whether it's just happening because it just happens naturally on this earth you know every so many hundreds or thousands of years you know certainly um i don't know if people know but we're in the sixth extinction event right now according to scientists there have been five we're in the sixth and it's man-made and and they acknowledge it so you know we know the species other species animals insects are going extinct at enormous rates um so you know this is also not new, right? There have been extinction events where 75, even 95% of whatever was on the earth got wiped out. So um, is it natural? Is it being done? You know, we don't have the inside knowledge. We can have our theories, but we don't have the inside knowledge to actually be able to prove it in a court of law, you know, um, well, do we need okay, the court? Do we the actually do? Do we actually have to bring it to a court of law, or will the court of public opinion suffice in this case? Because what I'm seeing here is that we are not the human race is not as smart as it thinks it is. Because if this little right. virus and any other virus can bring the population of the Earth down to its knees, right. You know, what's the sense? So no matter how smart Elon Musk is, if he's that smart, he would have come up with a with an antidote or a vaccine for for the COVID. He didn't. Or he, they'd come up with a cure for cancer. They don't. They are self-centered people who only give a damn about themselves. And he's ready to go off to Mars because oh. he knows... He knows. Oh God! I think I'm just bail out. So I'll take all my billions and do my space exploration and go to Mars. Well, or listen, listen. I'm going to tell yeah, you something. Exactly. He could use all that money for so many better things. Sure. I'm going to tell you something. If he's that smart and if he was planning on escaping, he wouldn't let the world know about it. He'd keep his mouth shut, pack everything up, and just disappear. But he he enjoys the glory. He enjoys yeah. the media, the media attention. And you know what? When he's go. dead, yeah. when he's dead, who's going to give a care? I'm not. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think isn't that what you're saying? Is that human ego is always the downfall? Yep. Human ego is always the downfall, and that's just seems to repeat over and over and over that I was remember I was saying earlier in our mm-hmm. our um, discussion about even in Atlantis yeah the wizards and their misuse of power and the ego and in the and the feeling of power and using it for you know not to help but in the end to harm um, and you know that's that's that lack of community um, but the feeling instead of Oh, I'm going to, you know, show off because I can have my own rocket company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, at the at the end of the day, you know, feed the hungry, take care of the poor, exactly. educate people, make sure people have a roof over their head, that they're warm at night, that their tummies are full. Yeah. What you know, yeah. children are going to school hungry for God's yeah. sake. Look at the homeless yeah. situation crisis. And yet these people yeah. would rather spend all this money on going to Mars than mm-hmm. helping people here yeah. on Earth. Then that goes for NASA, that goes for a lot of the major corporations out there. All they want is your money. All they want is power. All they want is the upper hand when it comes to making political decisions. They don't give a damn about you, I, or John Q. Public. Yeah, Yeah. I I wouldn't disagree, that's for sure. I wouldn't disagree with you. I think, you know, that is the problem. Um, That whole idea that, you know, money is the end-all and be-all, and i got to have more of it than anyone else. In my opinion, money is the root of all evil. Margaret, you and I have to say so long for tonight. I want to thank you ever so much for joining us. Let our listeners know how they can find out more about you and uh, give them your website. 
Yes, it's um, my name, Margaret, M-A-R-G-A-R-E-T, donor, D-O-N-E-R, dot com. And there's a contact form there and also just more information about my books, um, if anyone's interested, and a few videos as well. All right, Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. Always a great pleasure talking to you and to you and your family. Nothing but the very best for this upcoming year. You too, hon, and good healing. Thank you so much, Margaret. It's always a great pleasure talking to you. Come back and visit us soon. Oh, you too. Bye-bye. I'd love to visit you again. Thank you, Rob. I really loved it. Thank you. Thank you, my dear friend. And Exo Nation, once again, if you'd like more information about my guest this hour, it's been a great hour. It flew by so fast. A lot of great topics, conversation. Her website is margaretdonor.com. Now, I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, it's Exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV. For the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV channel on Simultv, Simultv. Dot com, where the X-Zone is now part of Simul TV on the Atari new system. We'll be back. Don't go away. <laughs> 